I'm Darius McDermott from Fund Calibre, and this is the latest edition of the Investing on the Go podcast. I'm delighted to be joined by Hugh Sargent, the elite rated manager of the RM UK Recovery Fund. Hugh, how are you? Yeah, very good. Thank you, Darius. Good, good. So I know the last time we did a podcast together, we looked at performance and, you know, in spite of the fact that growth having dominated value styles in the market, your fund now outperforms over one, three, five and 10 years and by quite a long way, by over 100%. How have you managed to do this with a value oriented strategy in a growth market? Uh, thanks for that um, very positive uh, question, Darius. Uh, obviously, it's good to have been able to generate strong strong returns over the, the last few years, um, especially as you suggested in the context of quite a headwind against our you know core um, core investment philosophy, um, uh, the value component in particular. Um, I'd split it down into you know a few uh, a number of things that have supported us. I mean, the first is in investment you need a bit of luck, so we've had some lucky stock picks as well as some very well thought out uh, stock picks. Um, I think our you know our definition of um, the value philosophy is is a broader one than some you know of our, our value uh, peers, some of the you know traditional more deeper values. So. Our philosophy is, is potential valuation and, and timing. So we're looking at um, complementary factors, either alongside uh, value. So potential is just looking for companies and grow their shareholder value at above average pace. And then we also think about the, the timing uh, timing aspect, and, and we you know look at share price technicals and earnings revisions, and we want those to bottom out before putting decent amount of capital to work. So I think having that kind of broader definition of of value. Has has definitely definitely um, helped. Uh, we've had a you know consistent multi-cap approach. So by that I mean as well as looking at large cap companies, we've been investing in, in mid and smalls. And I think the mid and smalls component has definitely been more more supportive mm. than uh, you know value stock picking at the, at the larger cap end. So that that's that's helped. I think uh, we we're typically pretty gradualist um, gradualist into you know positions, so we build up positions really quite slowly. Is one reason why we've got a uh, higher stock count than I suppose most most in investors. But we're, we're gradualist and, and we look for uh, you know positive fundamentals to start coming through. So when it's a recovery stock, um, you want um, a company to start delivering that that recovery before you get too excited. So being pretty gradualist, and I think we've got some aspects of the big picture right. So we didn't go too aggressive immediately after the you know the referendum, the Brexit referendum. I think again some of the, some of the peers might have been more aggressive into domestic value stocks, and we we just held back a, a little bit. Um, so I think that was that was a good good um, big picture decision, and we went pretty aggressive. You know, during the, the peak of 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 COVID 18, 18 months ago, when really there were lots of very distressed uh, investors and, and investments out there, so we went quite aggressive there. When there were you know particularly strong op- opportunities at, at that that point, and I think that stood us in good stead for the recovery since then. So it's a kind of multi-dimensional answer, but um, yeah. yeah. Now, one of the things, and you've already touched on it, there was the. Um, number of stocks that you hold in the portfolio, which is extraordinarily unusual in the asset managers uh, that that we talk to, uh, over 300, in fact. I I mean, clearly, there's a lot of diversification benefits there, but 
Do you feel sometimes maybe it's over-diversified? And how do you possibly keep a top of 300 stocks at any one time? Yeah, I mean, it obviously been an observation, I think, in terms of the funds that I, that, that I manage over quite a few years. I've typically been more diversified, uh, i.e. a larger number of holdings. I mean, in the early stage of my career, I remember one or two you know, large positions that, that went wrong and, and that created quite a high degree of angst. So I think since then, I've always said, well, actually, the value and recovery is an approach that probably lends itself to being more gradualist and being more diversified rather than being really concentrated. Um, I think if you're running quality or um, uh, you know, uh, franchise leaders or whatever, then you can probably stick to a very concentrated approach. I think with value and recovery, um, it lends itself to being more more diversified. So yeah. that's always been probably my my, my approach. Um, and uh, I don't think it's you know uh, held held back returns. For for example, you know the returns that you you mentioned in, in the first question have been delivered with uh, you know relatively large larger number of individual stocks. I think the gradualism is a particularly um, um, supportive part of the the approach, uh, you know, getting exposure relatively slowly, waiting for the fundamentals to co- come through. You know, things like uh, Marks and Spencers, for example, it's starting to beat expectations before you put a decent amount of capital uh, in, in into that. So it was starting to beat expectations a few quarters ago, and then we became more more aggressive. So, um, in, in terms of the actual, you know, physical cover- coverage, all I'd say to, to that is that you know we have invested in the team here. So we. Start Started off with um, you know four of us right at the beginning fifteen years ago, and there's now thirteen in the team. So we've you know invested in in the team, invested in, in analysts, and then we also have this very important quants um, front end, so quantitative. So you know we use the power of uh, of, of of computers to 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 help us do our job, screening the universe for for new uh, for new ideas, and also monitoring existing portfolios. So it's a combination of investing in in the head headcount, uh, using quants, and also I suppose my my experience. Which is you know over thirty years. So most companies I've come across at some point during my thirty year uh, thirty year career. Well, it is it is an extraordinary, especially as, as, as I'm aware that you also run a global fund, and you know that that, that you know attention to detail across um, so many stocks is it, it's quite exceptional. So let's just drill down then into the last year. It's almost plus or minus I think a day since the vaccine bounce. That you know the the announcement of the vaccine efficacy from Pfizer, and we saw a substantial bounce in the value areas of the stock market. I think it's been captured the reopening trade or whatever you want to call it. But um, it, it's been a very strong year for the fund. What's your sort of outlook on the reopening, or or are we fully open and not going back? How do you see that playing out? Yeah, I mean, we're we're actually you know comfortable, optimistic about um, you know the outlook from 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 here. I mean, UK equities have been strong, and obviously within that, the value and recovery trade has been robust. But actually, um, you know, UK equities in terms of the you know the valuations today are still really quite quite modest. UK equities mm-hmm. have actually been derated over the last year, so. Um, if you actually look at 
um, you know, share price returns relative to profits growth or earnings growth. Actually, there's been a derating in the UK market's uh, earnings multiple for next year is sort of 12, 12 and a half times, a relatively modest valuation. And then the, the recovery strategy is trading at, you know, a similarly uh, modest valuation from an earnings perspective. The price to book is only 1.4 times, price to sales only one time. So the valuation metrics are supportive. I mean, value had a, a relatively strong bounce immediately post the vaccine news, but actually yeah. the last couple of quarters, last six months, you know, values retraced at quite a lot of its um, uh, outperformance. Out so we actually describing it as an opportunity to go, uh, go, go, you know, go, go again. And actually quite a few of the, you know, theoretical reopening beneficiaries have been relative uh, laggards over the last, again, over the last, you know, couple of quarters. Perhaps they got a little bit overexcited at the beginning of, of the year. There have been some short-term worries for, for the market, uh, cost price increases, taking money out of the consumer's pocket, things like that, yeah. which has caught, caught created you know, sort of a sentiment headwind. So actually we think, you know, the reopening trades, reopening stocks are actually, you know, sh should be really well positioned over the next year because sentiment is actually relatively low at the moment and we'll, we'll pick up valuations to support it. Good example would be something like a restaurant group, the, you know, that the, the, the runs the Wagamama chain, the shares are down 30 or 40%. Over the last uh, two to three uh, months, and has retraced much of its relative uh, outperformance post the, the vaccine uh, news. So, uh, if you look at the airline stocks, um, uh, IAG or British Airways, for example, uh, you know it's hardly recovered uh, recovered at all. You know, despite the really positive news about um, the transatlantic uh, routes now now reopening up. So, um, yeah, I think you know really pretty pop really pretty positive yeah another thing that, that we've noticed because this is a uk fund and all, all funds are allowed to have a portion of their um up to 20 percent outside of their home geographies but i noticed you've recently invested in china via uh two positions the fidelity china special situations investment trust and a holding in baidu I'm guessing the the, the sell-off has probably led you into that and, and, and better valuations. Or what specifically do you like about those? Yeah, let me take you through that, Arius. I mean, <clears throat> we've always within the UK recovery strategy, um, you, you used up the the opportunity to invest up to twenty percent outside of the UK. So we've consistently run between, I suppose, fifteen and eighteen percent of the strategy in non-UK stocks. Actually, when we when we launched the the, the fund back in you know two thousand and eight eight nine, our focus then was on U, U.S. recovery opportunities. Obviously, the U.S. has been a particularly strong market, uh, and now one of the most interesting areas from our perspective is is China. I mean, clearly, um, you know there are the risks associated, significant risks associated with China, but the market's very, very aware of them and, and great opportunities uh, never come without a background of, of risk. And we would describe you know, China as, as a significant opportunity uh, today. It's only 4% of the MSCI uh, world benchmark when it's uh, you know the second largest um, economy in the world on a PPP basis, actually now the largest economy in the world. So I think it's underrepresented. Um, I, I don't think we've got time to go into all the kind of regulatory issues that have, have led to you know the digital stocks uh, coming back aggressively. But we just think it's now fully discounted in share prices. So there's an opportunity to buy those sorts of companies on single-digit earnings multiples. If you, if you strip out the cash 
and other equities that they're holding. So single-digit earnings multiples for you know, some of the best businesses in, in, in the world. I mean, it's like being given the opportunity to, I suppose, invest in, in Amazon or Microsoft on a single-digit earnings uh, multiple. Most people, if you've mentioned that, would grab the chance of, of doing that. There, there are obviously much, much higher valuations of that today. So there is a opportunity, and, and Baidu is, is, what, is one of those. I've actually described it as, you know, the cheapest mega cap stock I've ever seen in my investing career again oh. probably haven't got the time to go go through that but but um, you know if you strip out the cash and equities uh, it, it, equity holdings it has it, it's valued on about um, uh, 10 times the free cash flow from its core search engine um, but that's not what Baidu is you know just about these days it's got the leading AI business in in China artificial intelligence business in China yeah. it's got the la- largest but the the leading uh, autonomous vehicles so um, uh, driverless vehicles franchise and it's got the number three cloud business in in China then on the investment um, uh, so those are all in for free and then on the investment trust uh, side of things we, we know we're comfortable uh, investing two to three percent of the fund in investment trusts, and we, we typically look for uh, regions um, or, or parts of the investable universe that are temporarily out of favour, and you can buy, buy them uh, at a discount, exposure I guess. and then buy them at a discount. So we think the Fidelity China um, very much fits that at the moment. Um, so you know, uh, a good track record over the years, and available on on uh, you know discount uh, at the moment. So. Um, hence its inclusion in, in the portfolio. Now, I know slightly earlier in the podcast, we did touch on the outlook for the UK with the reopening trade and everything that's gone on with pandemic. And you know, the UK has been quite unloved, um, let's be honest. And, and, and you, you pointed to the derating. Are you optimistic? Has, you know, maybe it's the last region with some valuation support uh, left in the globe? Or, 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 or do you... Is it, is it just at a company level, those valuations, which are maybe keeping you smiling? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I do run a global recovery strategy as, as well. I mean, and the interesting point, I mean, one of my key observations at the moment is that in a, in a pretty expensive or very expensive world, it's actually very easy to find, you know, really good value um, uh, around the world. And typically it's in markets that for whatever reason uh, are out of favor, or maybe they have more value exposure rather than growth. I mean, there's a really high correlation between uh, equity markets around the, the world. If they're perceived as, you know, giving you strong exposure to you know the, the kind of classical growth stocks then they're on pretty full valuations like us equities yeah. uh, if they if they're regions around the world that have had short term issues or aren't giving you that much exposure to that that kind of growth uh, growth momentum trade they're on low valuations so there is that opportunity and then uk equities you know classically fits the bill of um um, uh, unloved post post Brexit, and not necessarily giving you the the exposure to you know the the, the strongest uh, growth sectors um, of the last five or, or ten years. So as a result of that, you know UK equities do trade you know on a really modest valuations at, at the moment. Actually, if you look at the relative valuation of UK equities versus global equities, US in particular, we're, we're basically where we were back in in the mid seventies during the three day working week, etc. So very out of very out of favour. Uh, 12 times earnings multiple. I mean, that's, you know, a relatively attractive, uh, absolute va- val- valuation, 
Um, so, and, and then we think the outlook for, for the UK economy is, is perhaps more robust um, than commentators are suggesting. We think in particular the consumer, the consumer in the UK has been a little bit written off because of, you know, short-term uh, cost increases. I mentioned earlier, there's this worry that, that this is, you know, taking away spending power from the UK consumer costs and, and tax rises. But we think that's, um, overwhelmed by some of the positives, the positives being, uh, if you look at the savings ratio, it's remained really high in the UK over the last two years, even into, you know, as we speak, it's remained high. So there's a big pent up uh, potential for, for consumer spending. Unemployment's remained uh, relatively low. And, and as, as we know, in lots of parts of the economy, there's pretty full employment at, at the moment. That means that consumers are pretty confident about the outlook. They're getting higher wage increases, wage inflation is, is running higher in the short term. That's positive for consumer confidence. And then there's the wealth effect of house prices and equity prices going up again, creating a high degree of consumer confidence. So we're particularly uh, positive about you know the outlook for the consumer versus currently very depressed expectations. Yeah. Uh, and we think that will support um, you know, a big part of the UK equity market over the next uh, next 18 months. Thank you very much for that. So, look, we always like to to to, to try and drag one stock out uh, and maybe just finish on, on on that. What's been the best stock um, in the portfolio this year, and why has it done so well? And we've had one or two winners, but I might just mention um, Samero. I think just because you know we've had a decent position in uh, in, in the portfolio, um, and um, it has generated you know really strong returns over the last year. So it's gone up, um, uh, I think, around one hundred and fifty percent. So Samero, Samero um, has a dominant global market position in in um, a. a um, quite a specific product area, which is uh, big pieces of kit that go into leveling, uh, leveling concrete. Um, and um, uh, that's been kind of critical, I think, in particular for, um, you know, the big, big warehouses that are going up in the US and, and around the world to fulfill e-commerce, etc. Now, um, 18 months ago, during, you know, the COVID downturn, obviously, um, uh, investors really worried about, um, you know, the, the economic downturn and in particular for Samero that, you know, the cyclical downturn in construction spending. So the shares got pretty hit. Um, and they did see, you know, a few quarters of, um, of demand, uh, of demand falling. Um, so, um, it was a difficult short term background, uh, equaling an opportunity to, uh, quite significantly add to our, our position uh, as we went through uh, last year. Um, you know, since the um, si- since then, since last year, you know, trading has has picked up pretty robustly. So there's been a you know cyclical recovery, and then there's this structural element, um, which is st- you know seeing you know, s- strong demand for for the, for their kit and strong investment in. Um, you know, uh, big, big warehouses in in particular. So it's a combination of you know cyclical recovery coming through and and on and strong underlying structural demand set against a relatively modest valuation, which has allowed the share price to progress. But we still see it as very interesting, actually, because um, because there's there's 
um, a fear that, or that you know, current, current cyclical demand is as good as going to get, and, and therefore the shares have kind of been capped at the current level. But actually, we think there's there is a strong case to be made for you know continued um, structural strength um, and then being able to extend their. Uh, you know their their, their 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 sales from from the U.S. into into the rest of uh, rest of the world. So we think actually the structural element uh, will continue to be pretty robust over the next few years, and it's probably wrong for the market to get too worried in the short term about the cyclical element. So you know we continue to hold a, a decent exposure to some error in the portfolio. Hugh, thank you so much for your time today, talking us through some of the interesting parts of not only your fund but the market and discussing the sort of valuation anomalies that on UK equities and the fact that it is so unloved. Maybe investors will one day return in their droves to UK equities. But if you'd like to get some more information on the RM UK Recovery Fund, please do visit fundcaliber.com. And if you are loving the Investing on the Go podcast, please do remember to subscribe via your normal channel. Please remember, we've been discussing individual stocks to bring investing to life for you. It is not a recommendation to buy or sell. The fund may or may not still hold these stocks at the time of listening. Mm-hmm.